Let's pray this morning. Lord, we come to you and uh, we just want to say hallelujah. Just praise you and thank you for your goodness, for the love that you've shown us in your son Jesus, for the way that you just seek to empower our lives so that our lives can, can be elevated, so that we can stand, so that we can overcome, so that we can be the people in this world who live impact, impactful lives for the kingdom of heaven. Father, we gather here today and we just say thank you and hallelujah. We adore you. We praise you for all your goodness. And we pray in this time that this would be about you. That it would be about your willingness to invade our hearts and our minds in this time. That it would be about your desire to build a dream in our lives for your purposes. That it would be about coming to you and being able to be forgiven, be clean. Lord, we thank you for this time of worship. And we ask that when it's all done, we would be empowered to not just say hallelujah in this room, but to live that hallelujah life. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You go ahead and have a seat this morning. And uh, we are starting a new uh, series today called uh, uh, Unleash. And... Um, the goal is just a couple Sundays, but the goal is to, uh, well, do, do the opposite of, uh, you know, having something leashed, right? When you have something leashed, you've got it, well, you got it on a leash, you've got it encased. And uh, what we want to do in these next two weeks is to talk to you about, you know, how you can just uh, let something loose in your life. Today we're going to talk about letting the power of the Word loose in your life, and, and next week the power of uh, Jesus' name in your life. So to kind of get us in the right place and uh, just get a taste of what it means to have the power of the world loose in your life, why don't you uh, watch our drama folks here. No, I have a knife. You also have my briefcase. Yeah, well, first things first. You got my money? Yes. Give me a minute. You look familiar. Are you a cop? Do I look like a cop? No, but you don't look like a business executive either. Well, I'm not one of those either. Well, then why do you have a briefcase? I don't have a be more careful where you put your briefcase. The tag has your name and phone number on it. Lucky for you, or else you wouldn't be able to hold my briefcase for ransom. Now, how much do you want? Hey, keep your hands where I can see them. Relax. Don't tell me to relax. Man, I know I've seen you before. Can I have my briefcase? 
I'm running things here. You just, just keep your mouth shut and do as I say. You got the money? Where is it? Slow. You said seventy-five, right? One hundred. I want one hundred bucks now. Hey. No, make it one twenty, and uh, and I want a percentage of whatever's in the cake. Hey, slow down. <laughs> Must be something pretty valuable in there for you to pay this much for it. You mean you didn't open it? People will pay more when their stuff isn't messed up. Okay. 120, and I'll give you a percentage of whatever's in the briefcase. Deal? Deal. First, let me see the briefcase. working on it. Is this her? Okay, so you're Kayla and you're deaf. So maybe you guys shouldn't use your names when you're robbing someone. I told you that before. You said my name to Jack. Kayla! Can I have my briefcase? 120. Here, now go. Aren't you coming? I'll be right behind you as soon as I get a little bit of what's inside that cake. Okay, yeah, bye. Kayla, oh, just go. Now, unlock it and let's get this over with. Do I really have to give you a percentage of what's inside? Yes, hurry up. Hey! That's it. A Bible? That's the only thing that's been in here this whole time. That's right. Well, that's not worth 120 bucks. I would have bought a cheaper Bible, but... <laughs> you see, this Bible is a very special Bible for me. This is the Bible that changed my life. It gave me the power to change who I was. What are you talking about? So you really don't recognize who I am. I keep thinking I do, but I don't Jody. know. Baby, well, well, that's what they used to call me when I turned six out here on the streets. JV, <laughs> it is you, but you're so different. Your clothes, your hair, you cleaned up. <laughs> you used to be the baddest. I know, you don't have to say it. Well, how did you do it?
told you that I would share with you whatever was in that briefcase. You got a minute? I think I'm a little too far gone for that to do me any good. I really, really think you ought to listen. This book has amazing power. Yeah, but what about the money you paid me? Well, this is worth the ransom. Speaking of ransom, I know someone who paid a ransom for you. Me? Amazing power, huh? Yeah, go ahead. It's good stuff. <laughs> See, it kind of begs the question, right? I mean, what, what would happen in your life if, if you would just take serious the opportunity God gives you to just unleash it, to just unleash that word, to just kind of just let it loose uh, in your life, right? I mean, the, the risk for us, I think, is, is uh, it's so easy for us to... Uh, leash the word, to kind of, you know, keep it in a comfortable box or to just kind of ignore it all, all, all together, right? And, and just only bring it out when we need it. I mean, what would it be like if we really got serious about just unleashing uh, the word in our life? Let me take you to the Old Testament to uh, Second Kings and give you an example uh, from Second Kings of, uh, of the power of, of how that happens uh, in life. It comes from the experience of uh, King Josiah, and we get it in verse uh, in the chapter 22 of Second Kings. It said Josiah was eight years old when he became a king, kind of young to start being a king, don't you think? Yeah. Now the reason he's eight years old when he became king is because uh, his family, the kings before him, uh, they were bad kings. They didn't last very long because they were bad kings. Now you need to understand. Uh, they were bad kings, not because of their economic policy or, you know, trying to get things through Congress or, you know, all that stuff we fight about. They, they, they were bad kings because they didn't follow the word. They, they didn't li live life with the word unleashed. And, and Josiah becomes a king when he is eight years old. And he rules for 31 years in the southern kingdom in Jerusalem. But look at verse 2. Verse 2 is a summary of his reign. It says, Josiah did what the Lord said was right. He lived as his ancestor David had lived. And he did not stop doing what was right. You see how he jumps all the way back and all the way over all the bad kings to get all the way back to David, who Scripture says has just had a heart for the Lord, right? Did he do everything perfect? No, but he had a heart for the Lord, right? And so he's comparing Josiah and saying, listen, this is what makes Josiah good. What made Josiah good was he, he understood, and, and during his reign, he was willing to unleash the word and follow and do what was right. Uh, here's the sad part of the text. is As you get into it, it says, in Josiah's 18th year as king, he sent uh, Shaphar the to the temple of the Lord. Shaphar was the son of... Uh, Azilah and the son of Meshulam and was the royal secretary. So long story short, he sends his secretary to the temple and he starts a, um, a remodeling project uh, at the temple. He tells his guy to go there and to take the offerings that have been coming in over these years in the temple and go out and hire some carpenters, some builders, and some bricklayers and start 
rejuvenating and remodeling the temple because the temple had been ignored and it was in, in total uh, disarray. And so he starts this remodeling project. Here's what happens, though. While they start remodeling, it says the high priest uh, said to Shaphar, the royal secretary, I found the book of teachings in the temple of the Lord. And he gave it to Shaphar, who read it. Here's the amazing thing. They start remodeling the temple. And as they're remodeling the temple, they discover the word. Now, now think of that for, for a minute, will you? They're remodeling the temple, and, and kind of by accident, they discover the word. And where are we again? We're at the temple. <laughs> We're at the temple, and somehow over the years at the temple, the word has been set aside. The word has been forgotten. The word has been ignored. And in the remodeling project, somehow in the midst of it, they discover the word. And we look at that, I'm sure, and say, oh my gosh, how could that possibly happen? How could you have the temple of the Lord and have them doing temple stuff and not have somehow the word and the scroll open and God's word read at the temple? And yet the reality is for us, that is such an easy thing in our own lives as well, isn't it? I mean, to, get, to be so busy doing temple stuff, I mean, don't you think that's probably what happened? I mean, they got so busy doing the temple stuff and making sure they followed all the temple practices and did everything about being a temple place. And, and they got so busy, 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 busy being temple people that somewhere in the midst of it, the word just got ignored. It just got somehow set aside. And once it got set aside, it simply got lost. And that's the risk. That's the, that's the principal risk for us is in our own lives, it is easy for us to fall into that same trap, is, is to get so busy doing life stuff, to get so busy, you know, living day to day, that, that somewhere in the midst of it all, we just kind of start ignoring the Word. And, and we ignore it a little bit longer, and then all of a sudden it gets set aside. And then somehow when somebody comes along and says, hey, does anybody know where the Bible is? You've got to stop and think about it and remember it and see, what drawer did I put that in? That's kind of the way it happens, isn't it? I mean, so we can't knock them too much because we face that same kind of struggle. And the risk for us is to do the same thing. To get into that busyness mode that somehow sets the word aside. When the key for us is to be able to unleash the word. And Josiah, Josiah finally gets that. It says when they bring the, they bring the scroll, they bring the word to the king... And they read the word in front of the king. And it says, When the king heard the words of the book of the teaching, he tore his clothes to show how upset he was. So they bring it to, to uh, Josiah, and, and they read it in front of him. And he hears the word, and he just gets so upset that he rips his clothes apart in repentance. Why does he do that? Look at the bottom. It says, The Lord's anger is burning against us because our ancestors did not obey the words of this book. They did not do all the things written for us to do. What's Josiah understand? He understands that the reason that Jerusalem and Judah has had so many problems is because his fathers and his father's fathers have ignored, ignored the word in the kingdom. They've set the word aside in the temple. They've ignored the word in their kingdom. And, and he understands that the reason things are so wrong 
is because the Word has been put in a box. The Word has been set aside. The Word has been kept comfortable and distant. And Josiah begins a revival. He begins a revival, and he begins to unleash the Word. He says, uh, he says go find a prophetess and, and find out now what do we need to do. Go, go find a prophet. Go find a prophetess and, and ask them, what do we need to do? What, what does this mean now? And so they do. They go and they find a prophetess. And uh, she says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says about the words that you heard, Josiah. When you heard my words against this place and its people, you became sorry for what you had done and you humbled yourself before me. I said they would be cursed and would be destroyed. You tore your clothes to show how upset you were and you cried in my presence. This is why I have heard you, says the Lord. And here's the key. So I will let you die, and you will be buried in peace. You won't see all the trouble I will bring to this place. What happens? Because Josiah receives the word and understands the mistake his kingdom has been making, because he is repentant and says, wow, i got to get this right. we got to unleash this word in his life. The prophet says to him, listen, you're going to have peace in your life. You're going to have peace in your reign. You're going to have peace in your life. You're going to be able to go ahead and meet death in comfort and confidence because you are doing the right thing and restoring and unleashing the word in your kingdom. That's the deal. The deal for us is to understand from Josiah the power of unleashing the word in our life. And that's exactly what he does. It says in 23, Then the king gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem together, He went to the temple of the Lord, and all of the people from Judah and Jerusalem went with him. The priests, the prophets, all the people from the least important to the most important went him. You get the idea that everybody's going with him on this thing? Yeah, they're all coming together. And he read them all the words of the book of the agreement that was found in the temple of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made an agreement in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and obey his commands, his rules, his laws, with his whole being and to obey the words of the agreement written in the book, then all the people promise to obey the agreement. What's going on? Josiah begins a revival. And the revival is simply to bring the people together and say, we are going to unleash the word. We're going to unleash the word. We're going to let the word loose in our kingdom. We're going to let the word loose and have its way in our life together as God's people. And that's the invitation. That's the invitation I want you to think about this morning. And and it's so important for us to understand this because there is a power at work in the world that wants you to ignore what we're talking about this morning. There is a power that wants you to be here this morning, go get in your car, drive home, think about the message for just a little while and say, Nah. Jesus captures it in Mark 4. He's telling a story about a guy who sows seed. And and the seed is compared to the word that gets planted in our life. And he says, the sower sows the word. The ones along the path that are those who who the word is sown in their hearts. But when they hear, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which is sown in them. He's telling us, look, if you unleash the word in your life, you have to understand there is an evil one. There is a force out there in the world that wants you to ignore what you're hearing this morning. Because the evil one knows that if you take this serious, just like Josiah did, this can change your life. 
This, this can get your life in a whole new direction. If, if you unleash the word in your life, it can take you to places you never dreamed of, but God intentioned before you even began were formed and fashioned. If you take this serious, your life can go to a new place. The evil one is scared of that possibility. It wants to rob you of that opportunity. If you listen to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, he, he gets even more clear about that, about the scope of the challenge. Uh, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord in his great power. Put on the full armor of God that you can fight against the devil's evil tricks. Our fight, our fight is not against people on earth, but against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this world's darkness, against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly world. This is why you need to put on God's full armor. Then on the day of the evil of evil, you'll be able to stand strong. And when you have finished the whole fight, you'll be able to be standing. See, he understands that there is a power at work that wants to rob you of unleashing the word. You see, the evil one knows that if you unleash the word in your marriage, you're going to have an incredible marriage. The evil one knows if, if you unleash the word in your family and in your kid's life, your kids are going to do incredible things. The evil one knows that if you unleash the word in your life and you put it into your big business practices, you're going to experience a prosperity. The evil one knows the risk of what we're talking about this morning and will do anything to make sure we don't do what Josiah did. Unleash the word in your life. Paul says we need to just put on that full armor. We need to make sure we unleash that word. And uh, he says, so stand strong, put on the belt of truth around your waist and uh, the protection of the right living on your chest, on your feet, wear good news of peace, help you stand strong. Also put on the shield of faith, which you cannot stop, which will stop all the burning arrows of the evil one. Now look at 17. Accept God's salvation to your helmet and do what? Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. There's the invitation. Is the invitation to understand that you have a weapon that you can use in your life. That you can unleash a power in your life. And that power, that power can carve a new path for your life. Now, i got to warn you. If you, if you take serious this morning and, and you get in that car and you're driving home, you're thinking about what we talked about this morning, and you're going, you know what, I need to commit myself to that. I need to unleash that word in my life. You've got to understand that when you unleash the word, it will have its way. Because the word has its own power. When you unleash the word in your life, it will have its way. It will work on you. It will call you to change your life. It will work on you. It will lay opportunities for new things in front of you that's going to cause you to sacrifice. It will work on you. If you look at uh, Hebrews 4, it says, God's word is alive and working and is sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts all the way into us where the soul and the spirit are joined to the center of our joints and bones. And it judges the thoughts and the feelings of our hearts. We need to understand that what we're doing here is unleashing the word. And when we unleash that word in our life, we have to be prepared to let the word have its way. I mean, you get into the scriptures and you unleash this word in your life, you will just experience those kinds of challenges to your old way of thinking. You'll experience those challenges to your old way of acting. 
you'll, you'll experience those challenges of your, your old way of speaking. But you will also experience a power and a strength that you could not discover on your own. It is unleashing this power that can carve out a new way of life for us. Let me take you through some things that Psalm 119 says will happen in our lives if we take this serious this morning and we unleash the word. And if nothing else, when you get home today, you know, sometime before you go to bed tonight, read uh, Psalm 119. Now, I've got to warn you, it's going to take you a while. Uh, Psalm 119 is like, you know, 176 verses, okay? It's not like one of those nice little short little things and, you know, we can just kind of capture and say, cool, but this is a big, long thing. But what's going on in Psalm 119 is the psalmist is just contemplating the power of unleashing the word. And you read through this, and over and over and over again, the psalmist is just discovering in his life what it means to just take this serious and unleash the word. Okay? For instance, the psalmist discovers that if you unleash the word in your life, you're going to create the opportunity in your life for God to do something, for God to do blessing in your life. He says, Our Lord, you bless everyone who lives right and obeys your law. You bless all those who follow your commands from deep in their hearts and who never do wrong or turn from you. If you get serious about this this morning and you unleash the word in your life, he says you're going to create the opportunity for God to bless you. Now, remember, he may not bless you the way you want, but he will bless you the way you need. That if if you unleash the word in your life, it has its own power And it's going to be able to direct you. It's going to be able to work on you. It's going to be able to shape you and fashion you. It is going to be able to accomplish bringing you a place that you could not discover on your own. Because its power has a power to bless us. To bless us according to what God wants to achieve in our lives. If you take it serious, you can unleash protection from the mistakes and consequences that can happen in your life. Does everybody in the room understand when you make a mistake, there's a consequence? That's the way it works, right? You, you mess up. You remember grade school, you know, when you messed up and, and uh, you know, there was always a consequence when you messed up. Like you butted in line at the, at the water fountain or the bubbler, right? What happened to you? I don't know. When I did that, I went to the back of the line, right? There was a consequence. That's the way it is. The psalmist says, listen, if you unleash the word in your life, God is going to be able to put a hedge around you and protect you from making those mistakes. That, that as you unleash the word in your life, the more and more that gets into you, the more and more it works on you, it, it's going to build a hedge around you and keep you in a better place. And, and if it keeps you in a better place, you're not going to make those mistakes. And if you're not going to make those mistakes, you're not going to experience the consequences. He says, I treasure your word above all else. It keeps me from sinning against you. I praise you, Lord. Teach me your laws. That's the key for us. That when we unleash the word in our life, it gives God an opportunity to just build that hedge around us and keep our lives in that sheltered place that allows him to continue to work and keeps us from the consequences of making those mistakes. If you unleash the word in your life, you take it serious. The psalmist says, listen, your life is going to get elevated. You're, you're going to be elevated to a different place in life because the word has its own power. He says, I'm at the point of death. Is this guy at a low place? Pretty close, right? I'm at the point of death. Does it get any lower? I'm at the point of death. 
He's, he's saying, listen, I, I, I'm bummed out. I'm struggling. I'm just, I'm ready to give it all up. I'm pretty much done with it. I can't take it anymore. He says, I'm at the point of death. But look what happens. Let your teachings breathe new life into me. That's the key. When, when we get in those places of seasons of struggle and challenge in our life, if we unleash that word, if we've been unleashing the word in our life, we'll have that new breath of confidence. We'll have that new breath of hope. You see, the word has its work and its way and its power. And when we unleash it, when we unleash it, it works. And when we depend on ourselves and we get in those seasons of struggle and disappointment, the word is a breath. The word is a new opportunity. The word is a confidence that goes beyond ourselves. When you unleash the word, you discover the opportunity for a new kind of life. When you unleash the word, young people, this one's for you. When you unleash the word in your life, it enables you to stand and even stand alone. How important is it that our young people learn this lesson? To be able to stand alone. To be able to not give in to all that peer pressure stuff and be able to just stand for what is right. The psalmist says, that happens when you unleash the word. Take away my foolish desires and let me find life by walking with you. I am your servant. Now notice the exclamation point. Say, listen, the words that I am your servant. Do for me what you promised to those who worship you. Your wonderful teachings protect me from the insults that I hate so much. What's the word do? Protects them. Helps them endure. Helps them overcome. It can take the insults. It can take the accusations. It can take the hurtful words. It can take the gossip. It can take all that stuff that all those folks out there in the world try to do against us. And we can still stand. We can say, I am your servant. Why? Because I know the word. The word is absolutely unleashed in my life. And, and when I unleash that word, it gives me a strength. It gives me a pillar. It gives me an opportunity to be able to stand.